Lecture 7, Noah and the Flood. The name Noah means consoler. Noah consoles the human race by remaining when all others are killed. And after the flood, Noah will be the one to first cultivate the vine and create wine, one of the great consolers of this world and one of the deadliest temptations as well. When my oldest son, Luke, was born, I decided to have a Noah's Ark theme in his nursery. It was not an uncommon theme and it seemed so magical, all those animals going into the ark two by two and the rainbow. At first glance, it seemed so beautiful, a story of salvation and redemption. But as we look closer at the actual text, it can quickly become a text of terror Let us read once more. And the Lord saw the evil of the human creature was great on the earth, and that every scheme of his heart's devising was only perpetually evil. And the Lord regretted having made the human on the earth and was grieved to the heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe out the human race I created from the face of the earth, from human to cattle to crawling thing to the fowl of the heavens, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with outrage. And God saw the earth, and look, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, For the earth is filled with outrage by them, and I am now about to destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. With cells you shall make the ark, and caulk it inside and out with pitch. As for me, I am about to bring the flood, water upon the earth, to destroy all flesh that has within it the breath of life from under the heavens. Everything on the earth shall perish, and I will set up my covenant with you and you shall enter the ark. And this Noah did, as all that God commanded of him. So he did. Listen to these words, and the Lord saw the evil of the human creature was great on the earth, and every scheme of his heart's devising was only perpetually evil. The evil that the scripture speaks about is not clear, It multiplies using the same words as when humanity was great or multiplied on the earth. What exactly is this evil? Mesopotamian flood stories also abound, making it very historically plausible that there was in fact a major flood in the area. But those stories attribute the flood to overpopulation and an arbitrary act. But here the flood is caused by evil. Yet this evil is not described with any kind of specificity. It is not just humanity that is evil, but the earth itself that becomes corrupt. And the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with outrage. And God saw the earth, and look, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways on the earth. The activities of the humans and the life of the earth are intertwined here. It is as if we have abused the earth by mistreating each other. The earth becomes corrupt by our actions. We are bound to one another in a kind of mutuality. 
Just as the actions of a parent affect a child, so our actions affect the land itself. We damage it. We corrupt it. God seems to want to cleanse everything, like we would sweep a room and get rid of bugs and dirt. God wants to erase, to cleanse, to start over. It's a brutal image, but certainly plausible. As the Creator, God is like an artist who has the power to throw away a painting and start again with a fresh, clean canvas. Or a sculptor who decides just to crush her work and reform it all once more. The artist has the capacity to create and to destroy. It is part of the creative process. So God plans a flood. God regrets having made us. It is for me one of the saddest verses in the Bible, one of the reasons why Christ had to come, because God needed another plan, not one to reject us, but one to redeem us, to love us despite our broken ways. The reason this verse is so sad to me is it sounds like God is just giving up. Just wipe it all out, God seems to be saying. Wipe out the whole human race. This experiment hasn't worked. But are we an experiment? Is the creation an experiment, or are we something more valuable to our maker? And can we learn to do better? Do we have to be wiped out, or can we be redeemed? Our Green Spirits group watched the movie Before the Flood with Leonardo DiCaprio. The parallels are unavoidable. Global warming is melting the ice in both poles. Seas are swelling and islands are being flooded. We are seeing a flood, which is caused in part by human pollution and activity by our behavior. Of course, scientists debate over this and whether the pace of warming is faster because of human activity or not. And I'm not qualified to say myself, but the fact is that the waters are rising and we can all agree that we have not acted with the interests of the planet in mind. We are behaving as if our actions have no consequences, but they do. They always do. Interesting, though, is God's exception. God wants to save some creatures and some people. God's speech to Noah is by far the longest speech yet in Genesis. It is full of instructions, hammering out details. Despite wanting to destroy the human race, God clearly still cares. Why else would God instruct so specifically and painstakingly? It's almost like a parent who is fed up but then says, I give up, but then continues to help you with your homework with agonizing detail and instructions. Robert Alter describes the Hebrew in this way. The language is not arranged in actual verse, but it sounds like a drum roll of grand formal cadences, stressing repeated terms and phrases that are rhythmically or semantically parallel. The word for corrupt and the word for destroy are the same. There seems to be two strains of this Noah story, one in which only clean animals are saved and one in which seven pairs of clean animals and one pair of unclean are saved. By clean and unclean, they were referring to animals that could be sacrificed. This leads scholars to conclude that priests of the temple wrote this epic oral history down at some point, for who else was concerned about animals being clean or unclean as much as the priests who arranged the ritual sacrifices? Remember that in the creation story, God divided the waters from the waters and formed a barrier for dry land to appear. 
In many ways, this is the opposite, a release of the chaos that God had, be, had been holding at bay, a bursting forth of those same waters to reverse the orderly process of creation. God is allowing chaos back in, with the knowledge that it will wipe out most of the created order. It is a brutal story, an end of all boundaries. And what do we do with this brutality? I think that in an effort to hide from it, we turn it into a nursery rhyme and paint pictures of the ark and the animals on the walls of our children's bedrooms. How strange. In many ways, this is really a horror story. And we relegate it to the walls of nurseries and talk about how cute the animals look going in two by two. Sometimes the truth of a tale is just too much to take in. Noah and his family survive the flood and emerge from the ark to create a new civilization. And God promises never to destroy the human race again, never to give up on us. God first declares this promise just to the divine self, as if it is a promise made within God to God and to no one else. Only later on does God ratify this promise to the whole earth by making the sign of the rainbow. The rainbow becomes a sign of the new covenant with God and the whole earth, not just humanity, but all the creatures. It is a sign of hope and reconciliation. Once more, God speaks a sign through a natural event, the rainbow. And God instructs us with similar instructions to that of the creation story but with some deviances. For the first time, humans are instructed to eat the animals. The vegetarian man of Eden is now given the diet of a carnivore. Is this a way to quell his violent impulses? And now humanity does not just rule over the animals, but also inspires fear in them. God says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the dread and fear of you shall be upon all the beasts of the field and all the fowl of the heavens, in all that crawls on the ground and in all the fish of the sea. In your hand they are given, all stirring things that are alive. Yours shall be for food like the green plants. I have given all to you. God repeats this promise twice and places the rainbow in the sky, probably because Noah and his family are suffering from shock and unable to believe the promise. They needed a visible sign. And maybe the whole earth does as well. The rainbow forever will be a sign of hope and of promise. And what does Noah do in this new world? Well, that's where the story gets rather strange and we don't talk about it as much. Noah plants a vine and makes the first wine, and then he gets drunk and lays naked, embarrassing his sons. So shame and addiction come with Noah and with the human race into the new world that has been cleansed from the flood. Sin remains. Question to ponder. Do you believe that our behavior affects the earth? God is punishing us right? Or are these just consequences? Is there a difference?